0: When you step into Lifetime, you won't just see the difference, you'll feel it. Experience it for yourself. Visit Lifetime.life for a complimentary guest pass or stop by a club. Lifetime, the healthy way of life partner for the Minnesota Vikings.
1: You know, accountability would be the number one word I would kind of define with that. And if he made a mistake, he would own it. He was always the most prepared. You could tell he put the work in, the time in. As a, as a head coach and as a, you know, really as a D.C. for me. Spielman I've been, I was with my entire career and is a massively important figure in my life. I immediately think about those guys and just reach out to them via text and, and just thank them for everything, told them I loved them and, and wish them nothing but the best. Ooh.
0: You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and this is episode 128. I'm Tatum Everett inside TCO Studios' radio room. I've got Gabe Henderson and producer Jay Nelson alongside me today, and we have a lot to discuss after an eventful week at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. Plus, we have a very special guest on the podcast today, former Vikings linebacker Chad Greenway. But before we get to our interview with Chad, the Vikings finished the season 8-9, with no postseason berth. As a result, ownership made the tough decision on Monday to part ways with both general manager Rick Spielman and head coach Mike Zimmer. Vikings owner Mark Wilf spoke on Monday, said letting them go was hard after Spielman had been with the organization for 16 years and Zimmer for eight. But that is what had to be done, according to Wilf, to take this franchise to the next level so gabe jay i'm gonna give you the floor right here and i'll start with you gabe in your eyes why do you think ownership made this decision
2: first and foremost it's always funny when people say gabe and jay because i have one older brother and his name is jay and oh, they kind of group wow, us together. I had no
0: idea so, so
2: when they say jay i was just like it's, it's talking about my brother he's here. calling in later you didn't know that surprise <laughs> i'm willing to be your surrogate <laughs> big brother it's okay there right, you let's go. Go. You're, you've been you're in for you're the, 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 the minnesota past two years. big brother <laughs> yeah he is you're the big brother TV in but um to your point of ownership, making this decision, um, I do believe it was a tough decision. But I remember talking to Mark Wolf earlier this week, and th- the organization just needed to go in a new way. And I wouldn't say overstaying your welcome is the case, but having a job or head coaching job in the NFL for eight years, um, things can get old and things can go one way and then go the other way. You you kind of It's kind of like leaving milk out. Mm-hmm. You can leave milk out for a while. You can. But at the same time, sometimes that milk will spoil It's but the
0: expiration date, It's the
2: expiration date. And sometimes <laughs> the expir- date, e- expiration date is longer on certain certain cartons than the other. And uh, this was a long expiration date for Mike Zimmer. He served his time. He put a lot of milk in the bowls of cereal. And a lot of people ate that bowl and was able to get full in the process. But still, the milk went sour after a while. And that's not to to mention that Mike Zimmer didn't feed a lot of people, but still in the same breath. It was one of those things where you say, "Okay, Mike, like we appreciate what you did. He laid a foundation. And then Rick Spielman on the other end. He's been a part of this process since 2006. And that that for me personally was was the biggest surprise. I think a lot of people were surprised by that move. But I think Mark Wolf, he looks at it as, okay, well, we're not fully rebuilding, but we want to get the right leaders here in place to continue to to build this, build the foundation moving forward.
0: I did love when he talked about the rebuild and how they envision this team as still a contender. You think of the 14 one-score games this season, and you you think maybe the decisions would be differently if the game outcomes had just swung a few more in the right direction. But, but you know, it was interesting with it being my first season here and, and kind of looking into the career of Mike Zimmer, I didn't really realize heading into this job that he really, if you want to include this past season, had only been to the playoffs three of eight seasons. And I think... When you look at the actual numbers itself, that to me speaks volumes because I think as an organization and an ownership, you want better results than that.
3: As a fan base, as an organization, as you know, anyone working within this organization, the goal every season should be to be in postseason contention. And I think the fact that the last four seasons, you've only been in the playoffs once and um, you know we made the run the way we did and, and lost in San Francisco in the divisional round, I think ultimately that's, on my end, what I think it comes down to, why dis- ownership made this decision? Coaches come in, there's a there's a pop of excitement, there's a pop of promise and hope for what their intentions are and what, what people feel this should be. And I think the first half of Zimmer's career here, there was a ton of promise and hope. There was playoff appearances, kind of the ups and downs, winning uh, division crowns at Green Bay, things like that, rallying together and feeling like there's a clear vision of what we're going to be for the future. I think given the way that the last half of his career as a head coach here has gone, I think the ownership kind of potentially looked at this and just said, listen, if we're going to do one, let's just get a fresh start across the board because Rick has had his chance over the last 16 years to help mold this football team where they needed to be. If the head coach was working with the, the players and talent that have been here, um, if they looked at it and said, if we're going to get one brand new perspective, then let's do it both positions in order to see what we can get for the future. Because they, you know, looked at the results and said, it's just not good enough at this point.
2: Like like anywhere, whenever you have success early. It's hard for fans to wane back from that. So the fact that we made the playoffs in 2015, granted we didn't win that playoff game, the bar was already set high of like, okay, well, this guy, he missed the playoffs his first season. And Mike Zimmer, okay, 2015, oh, we actually can do it. We didn't make it in 2016, but 2017, we go on that long run. So the expectation started to to rise. And that's not to say that Mike Zimmer didn't didn't live up to the expectations. But once you have two seasons in a row where you kind of don't live up to those expectations, I think that that plays into the the fact of, all right, well, we we may have to look in a different direction. Yeah, you are the third winningest coach in franchise history, but we got to continue to have that sustained success. And we appreciate you getting us there because we've tasted the success. So now we want more of it.
3: And I think at this point, if you look at both Zimmer and Spielman, if you were to ask them at the beginning of the season, what's your goals and what are your expectations? It'd be to win and be in the playoffs and be a postseason contender and i think as as frustrating as this season was with the roller coaster with the lack of results the way you wanted and the fact that you ended at 8-9 i think that that must have been part of the decision just to say you know things have not worked out the way we expected and and what ownership's expectations are of being championship contenders they've said that from the moment that they walked in the door yeah and i think that along with the fact that neither you know the benchmarks were not hit for this season That that had to be part of the reason they were willing to part with people that have have contributed to this organization in many ways besides football for the last, you know, almost over a decade at this point with Rick.
0: And you think about what was on the line in the last three games? Yes, you had the opportunity to maybe save a couple of jobs, to maybe make it to the postseason and not make this season an eight and nine no playoff team. Yeah. I mean they had it was it was right there for the taking. and you saw the type of team efforts that came off. and I know these guys play really hard and they try hard and they and they try to put themselves in those positions, but those last two games were just so tough or three games rather, were just so tough to just sit back and and know what was out there for the taking and it wasn't taken yeah. advantage of.
2: And it was a little bit of bad luck too, especially at that, that Green Bay Packers game. And then a, a few games earlier in the year, where we had a few players down, but I know but every
0: team in the, league's the, team in the yeah. league is dealing with the same stuff. Every team in the league is dealing with the
2: same stuff. And I know ownership, they talked about well, Mark Wolf talked about that earlier this week is they have provided ample resources for these head coaches and for Rick Spielman, And they're going to continue to do so. And I think it, it, it showed this year with all these guys that signed one year contracts from P2 to, well, just in general, all the free agents that we brought in. So I do believe they're going to be very gracious when uh, providing resources, in which he said earlier this week, Mark Wolf. So it's just the fact of when we provide these resources, we need you guys to hold up to your end of the deal and provide us wins.
3: If you go through and look at what the expectations are, I think from ownership is the fact that we should be a successful team and we should be able to compete. Six of our nine losses were to playoff teams. Yeah. And I think if you expect to be in that echelon of teams that can compete that way. You can't have that kind of a record when it comes to playing at that caliber. I just, it's extremely difficult given relationships that myself and other people in this organization have had with both of these people over the years to see them go. But if ownership is, is as strong as they are to say these are expectations, then I think fans should be somewhat excited given what the goals are
2: that they're willing to make a drastic change like this in order to try to achieve their goals. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the last thing it was that stood out to me about Mark Wolf's interview is that he said, they're looking for strong leaders, communicators and collaborators who are aligned with building a positive winning culture. So you look at that and you say, okay, well these guys have a vision of who they want and I think they'll take as much time as necessary to do so.
0: Yeah. I think that was a three words that we heard not only from Mark Wolf, but in the exit interviews from Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Brian O'Neill, everyone talking about needing more collaborative environment, a leader who's strong in their convictions, and in and in a lot of ways, it sounded like the players also as upset as they are about not having you know the consistency and the continuity of a, of the head coach and GM. They they sounded like, you know, this is part of the league. They're willing to deal with this, and they hope that strong leadership collaboration.
2: And communicators. And
0: communicators, exactly, I think is is what they're hoping and looking for. Um, I, I wanted to, to point this out as one final point as to why I kind of think things uh, developed the way they did this week. Is going back to when Mike Zimmer was hired. He was hired to bring in, to revamp this defense, to make it that strong... Vikings defense that, you know, the franchise has been known for for so long. And you hit 2017 where they're first in total defense and they're tops in the league in several categories. You think of 2021, it is statistically the worst season that Mike Zimmer's defense has had while in Minnesota, and the decline of the defense doesn't really help the offense as well. I mean, Kirk Cousins comes in 2017 after the run. They want him to continue that, but but while they had that strong defense, they thought they needed a quarterback, so they bring the quarterback in, and the defense has declined since then, so it's kind of been just a recipe for where we are right now, 8-9 and no playoffs.
3: It's a bad mix in just that the offensive side when you would have your 3 and outs puts the defense in a in, mm-hmm. in a bad position to run at that point and vice versa if if offensively things aren't necessarily clicking the way they need to and you need the defense just to make a stop i mean how many games at the end of a game or at the end of a half we're looking at the defense just to make a stop and to stop them from putting points on the board and given all the one score games that we lost i just think it was a bad a bad formula all season long between the defensive drop and and the offense unable to sustain drives in
2: in the way that they needed. I just think it was not beneficial on either sides for both of those groups. Yeah, I I think that, Jay, you hit it right on the head. That goes hand in hand. Like, yeah, you look at some of the defensive stats and say, well, they didn't stop the run or they didn't do this. Well, you, you have two drives where a team has 70 rushing yards and they ended up with 120 um, maybe those two drives where they gave up seventy rushing yards, the offense went three and out. So there's so many things as far as momentum that we weren't able to take advantage of this year. Only two games stand out to me this year that we were actually able to control the momentum: the first half of the Steelers game, and then the second half of this Bears game this past week. And you look at that and say, "Well, if if you put those two games together, you got a complete season." But you, you got
0: Super Bowl winner. That's a, the case. Yeah. <laughs> but still,
2: like that's that's one of those things where you just say, "Well." We want a, a, a coach or a GM or somebody that that's in leadership to come in and is an expert in helping sustain some of that momentum. That's I, in my opinion. I feel like that's when coaching comes in. When you 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 make a big play and then you strategize something to continue to build on that momentum. And we weren't able to do that. Yeah, we did have a lot of splash plays. You look at um, the, the sack totals or our third down totals on defense. and Say like, man, like we were, we were really good, but still. Those momentum-driven moments where you look at the coaches and say, "Okay, this is where you guys step in. Maybe add some extra boost here or blitz here." That's that's where you say, "Okay, I I see what, what Mark Wolf and those guys are saying."
0: And obviously, Mark, well felt as strongly enough, uh, to your point, Gabe, to go ahead and make the call on moving forward without Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. And not many people have the unique perspective in this situation as our podcast guest this week. Former Vikings linebacker Chad Greenway, who spent his entire 11-year career here in Minnesota. The Vikings drafted him in the first round of the 2016 draft when Spielman was the newly promoted director of player personnel. Plus, he spent his final three seasons as a Viking with head coach Mike Zimmer so we are so excited to hear from him here is Chad Greenway Vikings fans you know him and you love him it's Vikings legendary linebacker Chad Greenway Chad happy birthday is in order thanks for being here on your special day
1: yeah thanks for having me I figured uh I figured why not. I have nothing else going on. The kids are at school. It's sunny out. It's almost 40 degrees. Might as well jump on the podcast.
2: <laughs> so is Great Duck Vodka in the um, gift bag tonight?
1: Uh, oh, it's always in the bag. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I uh, as I coach you guys off air, um, obviously I'm, I'm coaching my girls team tonight, my daughter's team, and then after that I have a board meeting I have to host, but it's, it's virtual, so... <laughs> What happens off screen in a virtual meeting happens off screen and um, there may be some cocktails.
0: I'm a fan. I've got my gray duck sitting on my bar cart right now. So looks rather nice That's there. Good. Very nice. Well, it, it's funny, though. You mentioned you're, you're mentioning sunny and 40 and, and every I tweeted out the other day about it's hitting 30 and people are saying, oh, it's so warm today. I'm like, this is this isn't warm. I I have to know. Are you a shorts guy oh, when it hits honey. 40?
1: Oh, honey, it, you're so new to this. <laughs> When, when, it, when it goes negative 10 on you yeah, with the wind at negative 25 and you just get that 30, 30 feels like, you're feeling it today, 30 feels like 50, right? <laughs> 30 feels like 50, feels amazing outside. You can throw a little hoodie on, you might have a light jacket on top of that, but for the most part, you are living the dream. You get to actually enjoy the outdoors instead of the negative 10 when you can't. That's fair. Um, I am, um, I, you know, I grew up in South Dakota. I'm very used to the cold, extreme cold, extreme wind. So, you know, this is just part of it. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know why. I live here. Um, <laughs> I love, we love it here. We love the school. We love raising the family. There's so many. There's so much more to life than the weather, um, and it's all about finding ways to enjoy it and uh, you know and live your best life in it.
3: In about uh, ten degrees, Chad, I think you'll start to see
2: people popping the tops down on their convertibles and driving their Harleys <laughs> oh, out. Oh
1: Lord! <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, I
2: didn't, I, I didn't know if it was 37 or 73 today, and then I looked at the car you washes crazy. on my drive to work, and I was like, "Why is every single car wash in Minnesota full right now?"
1: That's a great. That's a great indication <laughs> of of where people's heads are at. The, the car wash line. Oh, uh,
3: the cars are coming out of the garage out of hibernation in order to try to try to wake up. <laughs> oh, Goodness man.
0: gracious, you guys are killing me. I will never be a shorts person in forty degrees. Oh, just never, wait. never. Make
1: shorts until Thanksgiving, and then whenever it's reasonable to come out of hibernation. So, <laughs> I'll yeah, think not, about not it. Short. We're
0: not too far off. I'll think about it. We'll see. I do like the sun being out today. That's for sure. It's nice to see the sun out after such a tumultuous week over here in the Minnesota Vikings. You know, uh, Chad, I'm sure you know the news by now that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer have um, been relieved of their duties here as head coach and GM. And I know that you have long relationships with Spielman as well as Zimmer playing under them. What was your initial reaction of the news um, when you heard about their departures?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the initial news is, is, I guess I'm not, I'm not shocked. Obviously you've been in the NFL for a long time and around the business and yeah, I don't think you're ever shocked by a decision from an, an NFL organization. Um, you start to do the math and you realize that, you know, zim has been here for eight and uh, Steven's been here for what, 16. Yeah. Um, and you, you realize that in respect the will giving them enough time to really implement their plan, get the right people around them, the personnel, the coaching staff, every, everything in place to be successful. And if the will feel like it's time to move on as owners you know you feel like okay we gave this the best shot you kind of respect that decision it wasn't like a you know maybe like the Dolphins where it's a two or three year deal and done and you don't get really a chance to, to really see what that coach is all about in the long term so I, I respect that but the initial reactions obviously just you know it sucks I mean there's no other way around it we love you know, I loved him love I love him when he came in I played for him for three years um, Spielman I've been I was with my entire career and is essentially a, a massively important figure in my life just because he has been so good to my family and my career and everything that that we stand for and, and he's been a massive part of that so I immediately think about those guys and just reached out to him via text and, and just thank them for everything told them I loved him and, and wish them nothing but the best and um you know the, the next part you feel is is all the uh all the the waves from that massive splash continue to affect others right there's there's assistant coaches and gas and and guys that don't have massive buyouts that now have to find new jobs and new teams and new opportunities and you have you know in some cases wives and girlfriends and kids and school decisions and all sorts of just stuff right just life stuff that hit you right away you know and and it's tough and um you know they know what they're getting into and a lot of people will will claim that everybody's making all this money that it becomes easier um but not everybody is you know it, it's a it's a massive massive thing in somebody's life to lose a job like this especially in such a public arena um so i just wish those guys nothing but the best they're incredible people incredible coaches and leaders you know and you don't you don't stand as long as they have in the nfl without being that so i uh, wish them nothing but the best
2: yeah that's one thing that i would say a lot of fans forget or a lot of people involved with this outside of the building forget is that these these guys are human um, whether it's the coaches the gm front office all these guys like you said have families and and more importantly, this is what they love to do. This is how they make a living for their family also. So just with that said, I, I remember talking to to Zimmer earlier before the season started. And I asked him, I was like, well, I told him, I was like, Zim, I, I heard you got a little bit softer ever since you got two grandkids. And the first thing you said was like, yeah, I am, but still not to my players. So as a former Zimmer player, how would you describe, do you have a story uh, about you guys' this time together or maybe even Rick Spielman?
1: Yeah, I describe him as accountable. You know, accountability would be the number one word I would kind of define with that. And he he led that way with his with his own approach. I mean, if he made a mistake, he would own it. You know, if he if he made a bad call, he would own it, and he would own it in front of everybody. He was always the most prepared. You could tell he put the work in, the time in, um, as a, as a head coach and as a you know really as a DC for me. Um, you know, I came in, I had played I had played for eight years with the organization under one defense. Zimmer comes in and kind of implements this wholesale change and mentality and approach, and I kind of had to reinvent myself in year nine into a different type of player and really take new coaching and new type of coaching you know adam adam became my my linebacker coach he was a few years younger than me um so you know really had to navigate some things when they came in and and um it was interesting because at that same time i got asked to take a pay cut that same year Mm. and um so was a lot going on in my head you know as a leader and a team captain and all these things and the new coach comes in and and, uh, the gm asks for a pay cut you have all these kind of negatives and it re-motivated me and re-engaged me into my career. And I decided to stay and finish a Viking and, and that all worked out. And I, I learned to respect uh, Zim's approach and, you know, to the point where I think his approach not only can, can win in this league, but is, is the necessary way to handle things. And, and people and and these kids come out of college now is on true accountability. And, um, and he did it in a couple of ways. I mean, the one, that, the best example is my first training camp um, with him we were down in Mankato, and you know if you you weren't familiar, you guys probably aren't familiar with the Mankato layout. But just you know, three grass fields right side by side by side. There's a stadium kind of on the end. So he's standing by the stadium, and I'm on the far grass field. So you're talking like two and a half, three fields away, <laughs> and we're going through defensive walkthrough. It's the morning walkthrough like 10 a.m. and we're out there going through the stuff we had installed the night before in that morning, and all we hear is just Zim like with this little little limp walking across the field. <laughs> you know and just screaming like nobody knew he was it was too far away to even understand and like we we go through a couple more plays and he he finally gets over there and he set up he wanted the play set up that he was yelling at and I was playing I was playing I was on the field at that time and turns out he was screaming at me <laughs> and and what he laid out was like my alignment was like 6 inches off like too far to the inside and again Intel. I'm 30 years old. I've been my ninth year. I, you know, at that point I have like 900 career tackles or more, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I knew what I was doing, but he had to make a point and, and, and it was right. He was right. But the point is is you have to be exact in this business and six inches matters and, um, and your alignment matters and all these details matter and you have to study and know and understand. And if you don't know, if, uh, if you don't know everybody's position, right, knowing your own, but also know everybody else's, you can't hold each other accountable in that way. And you go in and watch tape as a team or a defensive unit, and you would be held accountable on the video. T- on the video, and, and and just all those things lead together. And, and his points were all accurate because this business, no different than this team this year or, or every every year, is everything so tight and the margin of error is so slim that you have to be exact and you have to be perfect. And you're never going to be perfect. But you have to try. But he also just you know he led that way by with it with his uh, with how he handled his own business too. I mean, he'd be so hard on himself. Mm. Or, for missing something or not seeing something. And, um, you know, and, and in my estimation, he always put it on, on himself when he needed to.
0: Chad, you mentioned that Zimmer's approach is a winnable approach. So what do you think happened the last couple of seasons where it just felt like the team wasn't achieving to what their expectations were?
1: I, I, I'm not there, right. I haven't even been around the team in two years because of COVID and other reasons. And, you 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 don't really know and understand unless you're there, right? right? So it's it's hard for us to to really say, even for you guys in the building, to really to really pinpoint it, right? You can you can point to personnel or guys not making plays or coaches not getting guys ready or coaches having the wrong team. There's all sorts of things you can kind of point to. Um, I always thought that Zim's approach on being defensive first and calling the plays as a head coach um, maybe held back um, held himself back from being the, the type of head coach he could have been rather than DC, you know, just like a DC mentality. Um, but the, the point is that that was his baby, right? And that's what he wanted. That's what he really, really cared about. So, and he's an excellent D.C. But I think it's always a combination of things in the NFL. You can never just point to one thing. Players have to play. We know that defense can win, right? And But but it comes down to, every NFL season comes down to games that you win or lose by five points or less. And we've just been losing too many games at the end, right? Opportunities, you know, Kirk and the offense drives you down. You get a chance for a kick, you miss. Hurricane offense drives you down. You fumble the ball. You lose, you lose the ball. You lose. You know, there, there's so many things. You know, you score too early. Defense can't hold. You, they score. You lose. Um, there's just so many ways to lose in this business. It's insane. And all these players you're playing are so good. So it's hard to pinpoint and you know, answer your question directly. But it's always a combo of things. And I think that the games you point to that are an indictment on the coaching staff would be an away game at Detroit that you lose oh, that you have to yeah, win. Yeah, um, not just not necessarily being prepared and. I always thought this year, not to be negative, but I felt like this year we played more not to lose than to win. Um, And that approach just comes back to bite you in this league.
2: Yeah, you uh, you did make a good point though. With defenses being so reactionary, how uh, you hear Eric Kendricks, just just pretty much anybody on the defensive side of the ball saying the defense is always a half a step behind because you're always reacting to what the offense is doing. They kind of got the heads the heads up, or they on they know what they're going to do before you know what they're going to do. So, it, it you kind of look at that in the same approach when it comes to this new GM and coaching hire. Like the ownership knows what they're going to do, we have to react to that. So. When you were a player and you had to react to, uh, I guess, what ownership's thought process on bringing in a new coach, what was the thought process for you? And what should the thought process – what What do you think the thought process is for some of these players that are about to go through it?
1: You look at, the, at both decisions, right? With Spielman coming in, um, it was interesting because in '06, in, in I actually got drafted by Fran Foley, who was hired. He brought in Steve Hutchinson, Ben Lieber, had my draft class, and then he literally gets let go like the Tuesday after the draft. Wow. They found a discrepancy in his resume. They let him go. Rick comes in under the uh, kind of the triangle of power and becomes sort of the pseudo GM and, and decision maker. So you have that whole play, right? Where now you have guys with a new GM coming in that maybe that GM just clearly doesn't like, doesn't like him as a player doesn't like his style doesn't like his play. Now so you your maybe future as a Viking could be up in, up 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 in the air and you don't know. And then you have the coaching piece, right? So now those two need to align. obviously you're hiring GM first and then the GMs gonna be process part of the process of hiring the coach. So if your game and style of play isn't going to align with a new staff, right? It's, it's probably a real problem for you. And there's probably guys in the roster right now that are thinking, I cannot wait to get a new coach in here because maybe it'll, maybe it'll amplify my ability to play under this new, new team. So my, my thought was always this. is like, I got to bring my best every day, no matter what, it's the league. I mean, every practice game, somebody can take your, somebody can take your snap, somebody can take your job and they're going to try to pay somebody to do it cheaper. Right. And, you have to have that approach every day. So my biggest thing was always be around the building. You know, off seasons, I rarely left other than for a couple of vacations here or there. I was always around. I always worked out there. I wanted people to see me. I wanted to I wanted to have conversations with the coach. I wanted to have conversations with my position coach and GM and get to know them and understand them. And in, in my contract negotiations with Rick and, and Rob, it was it was about what else do I bring to this team besides just my ability to play? You have to be good football players, the NFL. But what else do you bring? Community support, leadership, captain mentality. I mean, you can talk to, you can talk to the team, you can talk to the coaches, you can you can go to events and, and be in the community and, and it's just, there's so many ways to lead and, and be an example in pro football other than just being a good football player. So um I think if you take all those things into account when you look at who's coming in and I would research as a player, like what are these GMs and coaches stand for? Where have they been? Where have they had success? And um and try to mirror, you know, what they're asking me to do
2: interesting that you say for a player to be available because it's usually coaches saying that they should be available so that's that's interesting you say that when a new coach comes more players should try to make themselves more available
1: oh my god I thought it was just obvious I mean it, it <laughs> you know I blew my ACL at 06 so I lost my first year so coming back in 07 like I, I knew I going not get an opportunity to be a starter I want to make sure everybody understood that I was in it to win it and be a part of this organization and and you do that by saying, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to, you know, St. John's, my favorite vacation spot for two weeks after the season. And, but then I'm going to be back and I'm going to, I'm going to work out anyways. I might as well work out a facility where people care about my success, right. And, and know my body needs and know, knows my ailments and my, my issues. And yeah, the weather's not as great as Southern you know, California, <laughs> but at the same time, it's about building your career and building it the right way. And, you know, elongating your career in a lot of cases as well. So I found this to be very valuable. Um, No, that's
0: that's great insight. I think that's that's much appreciated. I really didn't think about that before, but it's a great point. Um, I know that there are six head coaching jobs open Chad. There's Vikings, Bears, Jaguars, Broncos, Giants and Dolphins. Then you have three general manager positions, Vikings, Bears and Giants. So where do you think this Vikings vacancy ranks in the league as far as most appealing job out there?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about that question because I've, I've been asked it a couple of times already. I think it's a hard question to answer because you don't know what they're looking for, right? Is is does the, you know? Look at Anthony Barr for example, right? Is Anthony Barr going to be a part of our team moving forward? I, I sure as heck hope he is. But if he's not, with the salary cap issues and other things, like the defense may look a lot different with the different personnel that's not going to be available to it. So I think you look at the Vikings' job and say, "Wow, we've got a lot of ability here, right?" You look at our roster, a lot of big names that have a lot of ability. There's some years left in those legs, all right? You got Kendrick, you got Barr, you got Harry. Um, you have a lot of great defenders. You have some young defenders. Dancer played really well at the end of the year as a young corner. Um, so you have some really nice pieces. Um, you know, Obviously, a lot of, lot of holes. You got you to be able to rush the passer a heck of a lot better than we have been um, the last few seasons. So you look at the defense and say, okay, there's some, there's some pieces there. And then offensively, obviously, you have one of the best young receivers in the league, in the history of the league. You, you have Thielen, who's aging but good. Uh, Osborne had a nice season. O line has got a lot of nice pieces, but has some building to do. Got one of the best running backs in football and a quarterback that can do that can make every throw and is smart. So offensively, I like the pieces. I think it's a job that people are going to want and are going to want to seek out. The question you have to ask yourself is: because we are one of the teams that fired both, will we get access to hire the other coaches? Because how many coaches are going to be gone? while we're still doing it while we are still doing the GM search. I think it's an interesting, you know, just a timing topic, really. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. To me, like I love Flores. I think he, what he's done in Miami and his background is, is is obvious that he's one of the, if not the best candidates out there. Um, but are you going to get him? Is he going to be around in 10 days when we finally get the GM hired and get around to do a coaching search? Is that GM going to align with the same mentality the ownership has on how we move forward, right? So it's just a lot of questions to be answered. So, I think it's a roster that that, that looks really really good, um, and I think it's a job that people would love.
2: You just named a, a few people, a few things that that could possibly uh, affect this GM and coaching hire. But as far as just personally, what type of leadership? I'm not even saying names, but just leadership in general. Uh, do you hope to get out of this new hire?
1: I am after kind of seeing how Zim went about his business, and again, loving Zim. Um, I went through Leslie Frazier's uh, staff, went through Childress's staff. What I think too many coaches get caught up in is what got them there, right? If I'm the OC at name the place and I got hired as the head coach because I was a good OC, does not mean that you need to be the OC. Just because you're an elite DC does not mean you need to be, you need to be the head coach. <laughs> you need to be able to handle all things head coach related, and you need to be focused on that. And I, I love more of the CEO approach from a head coach um and trusting who i hire as the oc and dc and you see a lot of these guys that get hired and, and it's right or wrong I, you know i'm sure there's some sort of historical view on that i'm a complete idiot and my point is is dumb but the reality is i i just think from from a from a team from a team standpoint the team is better when you have a ceo at the top feeding both sides and you have an oc and dc that tr- are trusted in their positions that they can make the play calls in game and the head coach is the head coach um so I, I think from a leadership style standpoint, that's what I would like to see um, and see where that takes us.
2: It sounds like you're, you're lobbying for a guy like Mike Tomlin. He was here your first year, right? And then he was a defensive coordinator, and then I guess he's been a D- the Steelers I head coach since then, right?
1: Yeah. So so Tomlin, you know, he, he comes from a Tampa 2 system, comes up here for a year. You know, you sit in the interview room with Tomlin, you're, like, you're going to hire him. Like, <laughs> I've never in, in any – Fastest of the world, met a guy that could motivate somebody better than Mike Tomlin. Just incredible. So I was with him in Fred Pugich's basement. Fred Puggage was my linebacker coach. Um, the day he flew out to go interview for that Steelers job, and I can promise you, he had no idea he was going to get hired. Mm. He did not think in a million years to Sunday that he was going to get that job. And sure enough, he's got it and still has it and deserves it. He's one of the best coaches in probably history. But you think about it, he comes from a system that gave him the opportunities in Tampa, too. He comes up to Minnesota to implement that system. He goes to Pittsburgh and doesn't run that system. He goes there and is just wow. the head coach. And so you think about that. So he got a, He only got his opportunity because of the system that kind of gave it to him, right? Derek Brooks, that whole Tampa defense. Um, and then and then he gets the opportunity to, to be a, a head coach and says, well, the D.C. there, I can't remember. What was the D.C.'s name? He's there forever. Le, LeBeau. Yep. LeBeau was there. Lebeau. And he's like, well, I'm not smarter than this guy. Like, let, let him do his thing. I'll be the head coach. And and away they go, and they win for years. So I do like that mentality.
2: So
3: what does a, a new head coaching hire, what kind of challenges do they find in not only connecting with the younger players on a roster, but also veteran players that have been around for a while that kind of know what the MO is to work in the NFL?
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's actually probably even a hard question for me to answer because, you know, the kids come out of college are just, they're a different mentality than when I – what i came out with and and the guys that were on the team when i came in were even older school mentality than i had right so it's it's uh you know i come from the world of you know as a farm kid like you get you show up you bust your ass as hard as you can and you you grind and you know the best put your best foot forward every day and and i don't know that that's necessarily the mentality or maybe it's just overhyped that that the kids are changing coming out of college but one thing i do is uh, if i get hired as the head coach Right. I need to hire people around me that can handle a lot of those a lot of those situations because they're going to be more hands on than I am. Right. So the people around me have to be able to handle that situation. Um, But at the same time, you have to be able to, you know, a lot of a lot of times them gets gets uh, gets knocked for having too much of an old school mentality. Right. And and that may be that may or may not be true. Um, But I look at what what Kirk Ferentz has done down in, in Iowa City. And he's had to change with the times in a lot of cases, right, where he's had to become progressive in his mindset because he knows that if he stays grounded in 1988, like he's going to get taken out of a job. He's not he's not progressive enough. So I do think you need to find even if it's a coach that that's older and has an older school mentality, you have to have somebody who's willing to budge off of that and be a little bit more flexible and learn and understand how kids are just different now than they were 30 years ago.
0: So my takeaway from that is: Are you going to put your hat in the ring on this one? <laughs> According to Twitter, you know you're a very popular choice.
1: <laughs> well, it's obvious I'd be the best choice for either job. Obviously,
0: <laughs> I th- I don't know. I don't think um, the girls' team will let you will let you take this one.
1: <laughs> I am a pretty darn successful girls' basketball coach, and I actually do love it. It's funny because i I've, I've honestly never even had a, a I've never dreamt of coaching football. I've never thought about coaching football. Um, I was a basketball player first that was just really good at football. So now I get to do what I love and get to coach my kids, and and I do love it. And, you know, I retired when Madden was nine. Um, She's 14 now and coming into her own as a a basketball player herself. Mm And, you know, the timing of my career and what I appreciate the NFL for more than anything is allowing me to spend time with my kids and raise my kids when it matters the most. And uh, so I'm enjoying the heck out of that.
2: That's awesome. You strike me as a guy that runs one three one press in your daughter's youth league. That calls one three one press. I don't press. run
1: any half court zone because that means you can't coach half that means you can't coach man to man defense. So <laughs>
2: I love it. Um, nice. <laughs> I
1: love to press and run up and down. Um I think basketball is more fun when uh when it's played at a high tempo. So we we will mix in and out of some full court zone and full court man to man. I got a couple of zone man combos um you know, you come from a background like mine with football and you can get real creative in zone defense. defense. Um, but I love the X and O's, the hoops. Um, and I think what I love more than anything is, and especially I've never coached boys. Uh, but what I love about coaching girls is they really care about getting better and they care about the coaching and they really want to take it to heart and get and improve. And I've seen, I've coached two separate groups. Now my, my eighth grade daughter's group up until last year. And then now my fifth grade daughter's group. And, It's just so fun to give a kid a task and improve on something to see him, see him take that and get success and then just gain confidence and and independence from that. It's just, it's just awesome. So um, I'm having a lot of fun doing that. That's for sure. And uh, you know, mostly just uh, also a taxi cab for the kids driving around from event to event. So, but it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, no, she's, and she's very good. You guys, if you ever, you know, want to catch a game, I would sure. It would be a good one to catch because Madden is very talented athlete. That's for sure. I've seen some highlights on Twitter before. I think
1: She is. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, she's, she's uh, good. She's, she's an She plays varsity in Minnesota, which is allowed. You can middle eighth kids can play varsity hoops. Uh, so this is their second year of varsity. She's got a nice team at Province Academy. We're having a lot of fun chasing her around. So um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's fun because all my girls are are crazy into sports: um, soccer, hoops, track, and. And uh, so they keep us busy.
0: Very, very busy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, especially on your birthday, Chad, for joining us here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Chad Greenway, thank you once more. Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
2: Thanks, Chad. Thanks, guys.
0: Like I said in the lead in before the interview, such a unique perspective for someone who has been with Rick Spielman and understands Mike Zimmer more than than many who can, you know, be a guest on, on this podcast, really.
2: Yeah, he, he knows this organization almost better than anybody who's been through the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. And understanding both of those guys and Rick Spillman and Mike Zimmer, what they meant to this franchise and organization. He's a guy that can talk about that. And um, it was interesting to hear what he had to say about what he hopes in
0: mm-hmm. a
2: new coach or a new GM and how that correlates to. Um, what Mike Tomlin is we're not sure what ownership is that was a do. great story that really, really was story. so
0: a lot of insight and that, I wasn't expecting that one yeah. at all
2: I, I just knew Mike Tomlin was here his first year but I didn't know like the yeah, whole story that of him great. being in his basement so that, that that that's that's interesting because Mike Tomlin um, he only had one year as a coordinator previous then he was I think a DB's coach in Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl there like he said with uh, Derek Brooks and that Tampa 2 defense and that kind of established him when he got here and then boom he got that job, and clearly it's because he just knows how to ace interviews and motivator. Motivator. Good thing we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. We can happily talk about Mike Tomlin right now, but more importantly, Chad yeah, Greenway. Yeah, but he's in the
0: playoffs, so womp, I wasn't going to say that. Sorry, <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Chad Greenway, great guy. Like him, all of us are just waiting to see what this next move is going to be.
0: We'll continue to put out more episodes this off season, and be sure to be on the lookout this week for more Vikings Entertainment Network content, whether it's online or on the app. Just because the team is not in season right now doesn't mean we will not have more content for you, interviews, insights into what is going on behind the scenes here at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center during this time of change. Gabe, I know you have an exciting interview coming out soon.
2: Yeah, I've had the opportunity to sit down with Vikings owner, team president Mark Wolf, and talk about just some of those decisions and just his thought process on what the future could look like. I tried to curtail it more so to like what the media were not talking about. Yeah, of course. The Vikings can have exclusive and that'll be coming out Most likely today or tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. That will be a really good interview. He was very energetic and very uh, positive as far as the steps moving forward post Mike Zimmer and Rick Spillman.
0: Well, that's what we like to hear. Plus, we'll have expert interviews with ESPN's Courtney Cronin and Kevin Seifert, as well as NFL Network's Tom Pellicero coming out within the week. So be sure to tune in YouTube, Vikings.com or the app to get the latest Vikings Entertainment Network content. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast right now. We will hopefully have another episode for you very, very soon. Alongside producer Jay Nelson and Gabe Henderson, I'm Tatum Everett, and for now, Skull Vikings!